Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Extra Point Podcast. My name is Todd Stiles. Once again, I'm glad you've joined us. And we're going to look back at last week's text and or topic and bring some additional insight, observation, and application. That's always what we do here on the Extra Point Podcast. So thanks for joining us here on Tuesday, November 21st. Uh, We have been looking at the book of Job for a number of weeks. Last Sunday, we wrapped things up with a look at Job 42, verses 7 to 17. Uh, You know, we've covered that book in five weeks, so we took large chunks most every week. Uh, This past week, we only took really 10 to 11 verses. And so we were able to utilize that text of Scripture, uh, dig into it, understand really more about God's answer to Job, um, and of course how it really helped Job and uh, how it impacted his life. One of the things that we did not do that you'll notice in your journals is we did not really talk about uh, the question in your journals on week six, why is there suffering and evil? First of all, let me explain why. When we um, made the journals, we had a, a preaching schedule that was designed to end this series with that message. Just a few weeks before uh, launching the series, we did have a change in plans for a few reasons. I won't go into all those here. We felt it best to just simply have a a miscellaneous week at the beginning and then go for five weeks uh, and conclude with Job 42. The journals, however, were already done. And so anyway, you have this week six. You may be wondering, why is that in there? We didn't talk about it. We didn't preach on that. So can I take this podcast and just simply perhaps give a little bit of insight into that question. Why is there suffering and evil? And this is a question uh, many people ask. I would say this is a question asked more by those who are yet to be Christians. It seems to be the higher level question. Uh, And then typically believers have some sense of why they're suffering and evil, but then they have maybe a deeper question, you know, why did a specific type of suffering happen to me, or how does God use suffering? They don't seem to want to eliminate the fact that there is suffering and evil, but often yet-to-be believers do. Uh, They would like to uh, get rid of the fact they see suffering as evil as incompatible with God. And so that's how I think this question really arose from that thing within our heads as elders and in my head, even as uh, the one who does most of the preaching and teaching, you know, how can we help those who are yet to be believers um, realize these two things aren't incompatible with God? And then, of course, how to help our own flock um, dig even deeper into how does God use suffering and evil to bring about His purposes. So we're going to kind of talk a bit about this subject in week six of your journal, Why Is There Suffering and Evil?, well, first of all, let me say that this is a question I'll not be able to answer fully. I'm not sure I'll even be be able to answer it partially. I'm not sure I'll be able, be able to answer it very well. This is an age-old uh, lifetime question for humankind, and many things have been proposed. There are, uh, you know, lots of ways to kind of cut this um, issue, but it is a difficult one, and I'm going to take a shot at uh, sharing with you things that have helped me answer both the why is there suffering and evil from a large, high-level view, but also um, how does God use it and why does He allow it, and and show you how I see them as compatible. So uh, I hope this satisfies or maybe um, urges you or pushes you on to further study. 
it's a shot I'm going to take, and we'll see how good it is at the end, okay? <laughs> so in response to week six of our journal and in line with our entire series through Joe, let me just share a bit about why I think there is suffering and evil. Uh, two main reasons have helped me for a number of years, not only as a pastor, but as a follower of Jesus. Two main things from the Bible loom large in my mind as to why there is suffering and evil. And of course, each of these have a lot to be explained underneath them. I'll probably not go to those great depths in this podcast. Let me just share with you two very succinct phrases that helped me a lot personally. Number one, the fall of man. And number two, the purposes of God. So I'll give those to you up front. I think personally, as a pastor and as a Christian, those two phrases, you could call them concepts, you could call them doctrines, uh, they've helped me understand why there is suffering and evil and how God uses suffering and evil. So first of all, we talk about the fall of man. And so the fall of man, of course, resulted in um, a curse on the ground, a curse um, to Adam and Eve as well. Often this is referred to as the curse of the fall. And though the curse has been removed by Christ's death positionally, theologically, uh, there is still a practical effect of it until he comes again to consummate the kingdom. So again, we're unraveling this question and other things pop up that we'd love to spend time dissecting. We won't be able to on this podcast. Just know that when Christ came and suffered and died and rose again, he did positionally, and I'll even use the phrase theoretically or in... um, um, he, he did defeat the curse because he inaugurated the kingdom and showed that he had full authority over hell, sin, death, the grave. But he ascended to the Father and is awaiting the time to come and consummate his kingdom when he returns, of course, the day of the Lord, the establishment of the new heavens and new earth. That's when he'll consummate, and we will see in practical, uh, realistic terms the end of the curse of the fall or the, or the curse of sin. Until then, there is suffering and there is evil because of the fall of man, because man sinned against God and rebelled against him. The result of that are the things that God describes in Genesis, the result of the fall or the curse of sin. While we could debate so many different things regarding that issue, uh, let me simply give a little bit of insight into one aspect of that. I believe personally, of course, Adam and Eve were the only two innocent people to have ever lived on the earth. God created them in innocence, and it seems from the scriptures that they were tempted, that they were lured externally, though they didn't have an internal nature of sin. They weren't depraved in the sense that we are born in sin. So I tend to think they were actually the only really innocent people. Everyone since then has been born in a depraved state. That would be what I believe personally. You call it the doctrine of total depravity. Um, Not that we are as bad as we could be, but every part of our being is corrupted. And so Adam and Eve, as the only two really innocent people, still tempted and lured externally, did then um, sin and rebelled against God and violated his command. 
So they um, chose and uh, decided to sin. Uh, we as well, now affected by the fall, uh, are lured and tempted, but we're not in a state of innocence. We are in a state of depravity, so we are always influenced by either our depraved old nature or our new nature given to us by Christ at salvation, at regeneration. And so in that sense, though we do have a will and though we do have agency and and make decisions, I don't believe that will is ever free. It has been in bondage to sin from our birth. When Christ saves us, he draws us in conviction, saves us in regeneration, of course, converts us. All these things happen through faith and repentance, and we do believe we we make a decision to turn to Christ, to follow Him. I'm not denying any of that, but that decision isn't free. It isn't, we have been acted upon by the Holy Spirit in, um, in opposition to what the flesh and uh, you know, sin have done to us. And so God regenerates us and gives us a new nature, and we respond to Him in faith and believe. And so just understand that these two things, this idea of our wills, they are in play. Uh, and we uh, do make decisions, but they aren't from a free will. They are from a will that has been acted upon either by our depravity, which we inherited from our first earthly father, Adam, when he sinned, or by the Holy Spirit under conviction and God's drawing of us to Christ and the cross. All this, of course, stems from that moment when Adam and Eve in their state of innocence, which we don't have, and what I would say may actually be, and this is just a thought, perhaps the only two people to ever have an actual free will. They were innocent. There does seem to be an external temptation, but there is not an internal depravity with Adam and Eve. So to some degree, and however you want to free, uh, you know, view that, they may have been the only two people with an actual free will, yet still... Uh, they chose to rebel against God and have suffered the consequences in that moment, and we have ever since. And so that is one of the reasons there is suffering and evil. And without digging into all of the things we could extrapolate from this, all the other questions that come from this, which I think are worthy of discussion, uh, but not in this podcast. Just know that factually speaking, theologically speaking, even historically speaking, because of the Uh, uh, historical aspects of Genesis, the reason, one of the reasons there is suffering evil is because of the the fall of man. That's a simple phrase that has helped me uh, answer the why question in regards to the existence of suffering and evil. It It comes to us because of the curse of sin. The second phrase I use is the purposes of God And this is um, really how God uses even evil to accomplish what is right and best and in his overall ultimate overarching plan, which is, by the way, maximum glory uh, to himself and maximum good for his people. Those are two purposes that are overarching in the economy of God. They're seen through the thread of the entire Bible. And I realize I'm making a presupposition here that to understand that suffering and evil exist because of the purposes of God, I am presupposing there is a God who works all things together for good, uh, who is moving all of history to an ultimate end, which is the new heavens and new earth, eternity, the eternal state in which he'll be worshipped. 
and Christ will reign. So I realize I'm presupposing that, but that is what I, I do. I'm a theologian, and so I do uh, reason from that point of view. So I think the purposes of God are one of the reasons that there is suffering and evil, um, how he took the curse and the fall, reacted to it, we can use that word, or responded to it or dealt with it justly, and then, of course, he dealt with it finally in Christ, and he will uh, bring all of that to fruition when Christ returns. So God is working everything together for his good, maximum glory to his name, to his character and who he is, and maximum good for his people. So his purposes will be seen in all that happens, including suffering and evil. And you can track this through the, through the Old and New Testaments in the life of Joseph, in the life of Paul, and of course, supremely in the life of Christ. I would remind you that it is often difficult to know how God does all of this. C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Problem of Pain, which I would highly recommend as you work through this question about why is there suffering and evil, this is a helpful and quite short book written around the 1940-ish mark. Um, he talks about a simple good, complex good. Uh, he talks about how God uses different types of people, uh, different types of things. He works through it, especially in the second chapter on human pain, which is towards the, the end of the book. It's an especially helpful chapter on how God and his purposes um, work within man's evil, uh, the earth's suffering, our suffering, how God uses all of this for his maximum glory and our maximum good, which I believe are his ultimate purposes. So uh, I would encourage you to read that book. You can pick it up and go to that chapter. It's the second chapter, the human, the human pain part two. And it would help you just begin to think about <clears throat> the purposes of God and how he uses, um, and we can even use words like ordain, allow, permit, um, but how he accomplishes his purposes through evil and suffering. I would warn you that as you delve into this, you'll be challenged with a number of things, and I can't rescue you or uh, relieve you from the tension of these uh, moments, but as you think about how God uses suffering and evil, you'll be forced to deal with things like, does God allow things? Does he ordain things? Does he permit things? Uh, all of those concepts and phrases are used in Scripture. You, they're seen in various narratives. And so um, we, you'll have to just kind of wrestle through some of that. You know, Job, we've been studying Job. He said the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. So from Job's perspective, um, you know, God isn't held hostage by what evil wants to do. Uh, he uses it. Uh, John Calvin said, you know, at one point, the devil is God's devil, meaning that there's nothing outside of the control and ordination of God. And so you'll have to wrestle with, you know, how do you word some of these things? Uh, how do you want to um, view, you know, God's ultimate ordination and control? And so there's lots of words that people have used. Uh, I just would encourage you to keep delving into this, read the scriptures, read those who've written about this, such as C.S. Lewis, and uh, journal on your own in regards to answering this question, why is there suffering evil? You'll find that as you write things out, you'll find some things you write out will not make sense and you'll scratch through them. Other times it'll be a moment of clarity for you. Writing always helps us understand and know what we actually think and believe 
Uh, I think it was Thomas Jefferson who said that you don't know what you believe until you try to write it in one sentence. And that's typically true and generally helpful. So I would encourage you as you think through this question and these two phrases that have helped me personally, and I would say professionally, uh, as well as uh, just even just in so many different areas, um, why is there suffering and evil? Maybe in your journals, just make these two notes. Uh, the fall of man is one reason, and then begin to think through that and all the different, you can call them rabbit holes or tangential elements, and then the purposes of God. And what does that say about suffering and evil? And begin to work through in your mind uh, how those two things give us at least a high-level understanding and then even a second lower-level understanding of how they aren't incompatible with God and how He does use them and how they don't conflict with what He's up to or who He is. Now, let me provide one very helpful illustration of this that's quite relevant as well. Um, I was meeting just this past week with a pastor from the Ukraine, uh, Vitaly, or we call him V. Um, he came by the office with some other folks. Uh, we talked missions for a couple of hours, and he shared with me something quite amazing. Um, there were there are approximately 7 million um, refugees out of Ukraine since the war started over a year ago. Uh, many of those are believers, and Vitaly is um, part of a group that works with Christians in Ukraine, and he's aware of these, and so he's a church planter, uh, preacher, pastor. Uh, he showed me pictures of, of his church there in the second largest city, and just even some actual video footage of missiles who were, that were missing his church. Uh, for well over six months, he housed 200 homeless Ukrainians in the basement of their church. They had nowhere to go, and so they just lived there. Uh, so there's a, a lot to this story, but here's the, the thing I want to share with you that he shared with me, and he almost, and in one sense, his spirit was one of joy. He was exemplifying rejoicing in tribulation. He said that of the 7 million that have left Ukraine because of the war, uh, a, a number of those, of course, are Christians. He said out of the number that are Christians in that 7 million, they have scattered everywhere. And as a result of their scattering, he knows of actual addresses and places and people that have started 87 churches across Europe. And he said to me face to face, I heard these words. He said, Todd, it was like we had... Uh, Acts 8.1 lived out in our time. He said we were forced to, to scatter uh, persecution, suffering, evil. And so we had to hit the road. He said many people lost everything. They had nowhere to go, so they just, you know, the diaspora in our own time. And he said uh, as a result of that, he said I could take you to 87 new churches across Europe because of the scattering. And he said God has used what has been very difficult in a time of suffering to further his purposes. And he smiled, and so I smiled back, even though I thought, wow, that's, that's a terrible situation to think about, and yet God uses it um, to accomplish what he's after, and that is, uh, you know, church planting, uh, the, the making of disciples from every nation. And so those are hard things to balance sometimes, but when I hear those kinds of stories, it does remind me that, yes, there is suffering and evil, and the fall of man is one of the reasons. And yet, in the middle of this, God 
uses them for his purposes. He uses evil and suffering in many ways and however he wants to accomplish his end game. And so that's today's podcast. I just hope that I've left you with some information as well as some illustrations and then, of course, some resources. Um, One last note, because sometimes when we hear this, our, our aim is to try to end suffering and evil. And I'm not saying that's wrong. I think we should work for the flourishing of civilizations Uh, and the betterment of mankind. Nothing at all wrong with that. But I would tell you one last interesting stat I just learned about two or three weeks ago, which I think helps me just think more correctly about suffering and evil and its existence. Um, I was listening to a podcast with an interview with a non-Christian who is a um, secular professor. What I mean by that in the most technical sense is he actually chairs a department at his university uh, regarding secularism. And so his, you get degrees in this field of secularism, and there's other words associated with that. He was sharing with the host that in their research, what they discovered is that in countries where they've worked hard to reduce suffering and where they've worked hard um, to, in fact, he said even to have a strong state-supported, uh, whether it's health care, Uh, He listed a number of things, but he said where there is a strong effort towards prosperity and to relieve suffering and to make things easier, he said there's always a a decrease in faith and religion. Those are words he used. He's not a Christian, and so he had his surveys and his research done with words like religion, um, um, spirituality, stuff like that, and that's part of the podcast. If you want it, just contact me. I'll, I'll give you a link to it. Uh, It's a wonderful podcast, about an hour long. But I thought that was quite intriguing that where, and he was admitting, he said, where we find an increase in um, ease of life, we will find a decrease in belief in God. He said, this has been tracking true for about 30 to 40 years now. And of course, it's probably could be tracked true beyond, beyond and before that. His research, though, has just been for the last 30, 40 years, and he was stating that um, he thinks it's a good thing, is what he would say, that the more we work and the better we become, then the less we need an outside force. I would disagree with that theologically, even historically. But I do think it's an intriguing point that often um, we try to reduce and remove the very thing that often God uses to keep our faith strong. So I'll let you work through that. I'll let you think about that, um, process it. It's an interesting observation, but at least factually and statistically, what the world is finding is that where they can relieve suffering, where they can ensure prosperity and, and um, you know, lift people up in, in so many ways and make things easier, then belief in God seems to be, uh, begins to dwindle. And so just put that in the hopper, think about it along with the story from Ukraine and then these two phrases. I hope some of that will help you process and begin to come to a succinct way for you to to discuss and talk about why you think there's suffering and evil and using the Word of God, of course, as your basis and the doctrines it teaches. So I hope that's helpful today, a little lengthy, perhaps a little wordy, uh, but I wanted to at least address this question from week six, not run from it, uh, in the hopes that we can continue in our walk as followers of Jesus to admit and embrace there is suffering and evil to understand why it's here, at least to some degree, and then 
live with hope, even in tribulation, knowing that God uses suffering and evil to accomplish his, uh, his purposes, which is maximum glory to himself and maximum good for his people.